Welcome back to the Something Like the Offseason podcast. I'm your host, Michael Pellerin, nicknamed Musa. And today I'm bringing you a conversation with my guy, Charles Robinson. Charles is an incredible football player in his days at Duke University. and is one of those athletes that had the foresight to get moving on his post-ball life very early on, as he made sure to take advantage of the network and education offered to him in a place like Duke. He leveraged that experience to become a rock star in the invest- investment and <laughs> business world. I'll let him tell you about that. I love getting to ask him how he came into that mindset early on. We got into a lot of different topics that are super helpful for anyone in any career, not just those transitioning from one field to the next. He talks about being the person you eventually want to become, why and how you should ask for what you want, having awareness of yourself, and a whole bunch of more knowledge and wisdom that I think you'll find valuable. As always, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you and encourage you to use the links in the show notes to go explore and follow everything and everywhere that the Something Like the Offseason <laughs> podcast is putting out content as we get this show up and running. Without further ado, here's my conversation with the one and only Charles Robinson. Here we go. Question number one. What was the moment in high school you knew you were destined for college ball? Man. So the funny thing is, there there were a couple moments Uh where I where I I felt like I was destined for college ball. So when you when when I was thinking about it, I was trying to pick out that one moment, but uh I remember we played Plant City. I'm from Florida. Right, right. Uh, and the running back was like num- ranked number three in the country or something like that. It's crazy. And you know, like, you know, coming out of Florida, we had a lot of players that were just like crazy. <laughs> and my coach was just telling me like, oh, he's like number three in the country and all this stuff. He was averaging like 200 yards per uh, per game. And, you know, I had made it my, my goal because I was like a safety slash, I played like everything. Yeah, and that good. game... Yeah, that game, I had tied my high school record for the most tackles, and it was like 16 tackles, and then also uh, most tackles for loss, and I had two interceptions. And Sheesh. Yeah, but it, but it, for me, it didn't even come off like it was like it was like that difficult. It was more so it was like I was determined that I wasn't coming out of the game under any circumstances. Right. And if at any point this dude touched the ball – I'm like all in his grill. Like I'm just like, I was just like, ain't happening, none of that. So when that happened, I was like, yo, it's not even a, when I, when I recognize like, this is my will against their will. Like right. whatever I decide I want to do, right. I can do. And when that yeah. flicked for me, it wasn't even about big time ball. It was just more so like, oh, I can impose my will on whoever I want. Right. I just got to make sure like I'm locked in. So that's when I, Felt like I was ready for like college next level. Shout out to Plant. Shout that's in Tampa, right? Yeah, Plant City. Yeah. Shout out to Plant. Shout out to Eborg. Okay, second question. Name an athlete that you felt was your toughest comp, right? Whether it be high school, college. Who was that player that you were like, this person is crazy? Oh shoot, bro! Like just the toughest one, or like top two, bro. The toughest one. When I say comp, like the hardest person to bring down was Devin Hester. <laughs> so, bruh, bruh, no cap. You could, like, people who watch this podcast, Google Devin Hester. I was Hester just about to say the part return. <laughs> bruh, bruh. Luckily, 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 I was on that play that got put on the video, so you ain't gonna see number 45 on there. No, like no cap, you ain't gonna see me out there. We're definitely. But there's some plays that, that they us. don't show. There's some plays that he don't show that he was like getting us on the offensive end too. Like they would just kept doing these bubble screens, and literally, like I like because I, I I study film like crazy. Right, right, right. I know when they had a formation, like when they right. had a twenty one. Like I, I know what they about to do, especially got Devin Hester out there, and you know it. So like. I'm already cheating over towards where the bubble screen coming because he's like right. uh, the furthest to the field. So I literally just run to him and I hit him. I wrap him up and it's like, it's like, it I don't happen. even know. It's just like, no. Yeah, I don't even know, man. That was probably like one of the, uh, 
of the toughest yeah. people to like bring down on the tackle side. And then I I never got I never feel the same time he was on the field, but like the most dominant competitor, like straight up billing gladiator, just the grimiest player I've ever played against was uh Virginia Tech Chan- uh Chancellor, the safe Damn, oh my God. He was a superhero. Bro. He Bro, was a superhero. No cap. He made no, no sense. Lie. No lie, this is what he did. Three plays in a row, intentionally. The first drive, three plays in a row, got a late hit penalty on our quarterback until they put him <laughs> out the game. Literally, Thad Lewis threw a... Oh, you're a child uh, to Thad! Yeah, that's my, that's my brother. That's you know right. Thad was in, in, uh, in, in Cleveland with me. Okay, so that's what's up. Small world. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. so, so, so that's my brother, man. Shout out to my yeah. boy Thad, man. If you get a chance to listen, just tell you know, nothing but love, Brody. Hit my line, we're gonna reconnect. Um, and I'm just, I wish I wish I was on offense because we would have been thumping if we would have been on court like this, man. But literally, like, I hope, like, you probably can still Google the game if it's probably mm-hmm. you know, Duke versus Virginia Tech. He threw the pass, it's like one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, four, one thousand, boom, hit him, flag. Next play, same thing. We did like a little uh, handoff, like a little draw, uh, draw yeah. handoff. Yeah. One, one thousand, two, one thousand. Boom! Put him out the game. And the third one, it was like two plays later. Hit him late. He was coming off a blitz. Put him out the game. And literally, he walked through our old line, and that's when I was like, "Bro, man, we can't be moving <laughs> like this, man. We ain't got." It. I was like, man, I know this is Duke, but man, we gotta start, you know, grabbing some hood dudes. (laughs) Because they just like he literally like got up, walked through our line, like bumping shoulders, and I was like, yeah, this guy's a gladiator, bro. Like, I like Camp Chancellor, the Legion of Boom was like, he was just he just didn't make any sense because he was like six four. 235, like no sense. No body fat, fast, quick, strong, explosive, intelligent. He was just like a creative player. He was like literally a creative, creative player. player, bro. That's wild. And he had he had a tenacity of that's what I'm saying. He had an attitude, lion, bro. Yeah, he, he was mad. He was mad. I remember I went on a recruiting trip uh to Miami, um, and I saw Ed Reed. Mm-hmm. Um and I saw how big these dudes were, like mm-hmm. uh, uh, Winslow, like all these dudes. I'm a soldier. But the big difference was was that Cam's attitude was way crazier than everybody. Like he was just like he had a vendetta. So yeah, that was that was the other player that I felt like was probably the toughest person, like physically stature yeah. wise, but then also just mentally was just a madman. He's on another level. He's on another level. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. All right. Now, this is one of my favorite questions. Question number three. Name a player that you played with in high school or college that you felt like never really got their fair shake. Man. Could have been something. I, in high school, Mike Ford. My, my Mike cousin, Ford. Mike Ford. The running back? Yes. From, it went to USF? Yes. He was nice. Man, my cousin Mike Ford, man, he was a he was a dog. Yeah, man, I tell you, and the crazy part, he had a scholarship. Uh, well, you know, I ain't trying to put his stuff out, but it's like you know, he had a scholarship to Alabama. Boy, actually, he had a scholarship to everywhere. He was crazy. And he committed to Alabama, and he was trying to get his uh, scores taken care of, mm-hmm. but ended up going to uh, UCF after going through. I think it was JUCO, mm-hmm. but. When I tell you, man, God-given talent, like, he just woke up and was like, all right, I can run a 4-3. And, like, he would come, like, like literally, we were in high school. He will come over to my house. And I've been trying to dunk for so doggone long, bro. Right, 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 right. He just come in and drops up. <laughs> Boom. i like, no way. Then, because he a year younger than me, he come in. Uh, we had track. Come in. Runs like the 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 preheat, and in the final, this dude run a ten seven. That's freshman. crazy. Ten seven crazy. freshman, is wild. That's crazy. Crazy. That's crazy. Cra- just God get like literally like he don't like 
never practiced, none of that. It was just straight up <laughs> God given talent. That's the thing, just never, never tried. This was right. just like God given talent. So I would say, man, like it's one of those things where it's just like, he, like Adrian Peterson, like I, it's one of those things like, damn, like I wish I would have been able to see this yeah. man take it to the next level, stay healthy, all of that stuff. So I, I, I would shout out uh, my cousin Mike Ford. Shout out to Mike Ford. Shout out to I remember the name just off of strength. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't even. He I broke Emmitt was... Smith's record for the most two consecutive 200 yard games in a row. That's what I'm saying. I, I remember that crazy. That was like the Rivals era. I was like, yo, who is Mike Ford? This brother is wild. Um, that's wild. That's wild. Okay. Next question. Question number four. What is the nicest thing a coach has done for you? Man, shout out to Coach Anderson. I, and, I, and I definitely want him to be able to see this. Well, one, I, I, it's difficult because I want to, you know, point out quite a bit of coaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh but you know like coach ward uh was was the coach that kind of pretty much let me know like hey man i know you think it's sweet but you up against a lot of stuff that you don't see my man like right. this was and, your being, and that's school, being a black uh, athlete this is high school high school coach ward okay yeah, yeah coach ward these are these are my high school coaches and then okay. I'll, I'll tap into some of my college school but, but my transformation really was my high school mm-hmm. uh you know, years. So it was Coach Ward, Coach at, uh, Coach Rowe. He's the one that literally opened up the matrix for how to read a line in the scrimmage. Like anybody who watched film, who watched me on film, um, I immediately knew whether it was a pass or run. And then right. after that, I would just take what I looked at the sets, and then I took that to college with me because the same thing. It was like right. you just watch the guard immediately. Mm-hmm. Watch the guard. The guard has to, because if you have a three technique in front, I know we're getting technical, yeah. but like if you have a three technique in front of him, he has to be able to beat his guy. So he's right. going to give you immediately, especially if you got an athletic three technique, mm-hmm. it's automatically going to like it's give you the read. Yeah. yeah so he's going to have, if he's, if it's a run, he's going to have, and it's coming his side, he's going to have to go down immediately. Right now. Yeah. It's coming down this way. If he got to beat the pass, he's going to show up his chest immediately. Mm-hmm. So that was the other person. And then, um, Coach Sprague, that was a guy that was kind of the the general of it all. He really didn't he, he really didn't uh, uh, have to work too hard because he always had like some really dominant players. But there was a lot of things that you know didn't go through. The other two coaches that didn't go to my high school was uh, Coach Fred Gilmore and Coach Corey Richardson. During the summers, he would take all the black athletes, so all the athletes, Sam Shields. Baraka Atkins, like all the Sarasota wow. athletes that came out was because of Corridors and God rest his soul. Um, all of us was fast because of him. What's his name? Corridors what? Coach Richardson. Corey oh. Richardson. Okay, got you. He literally would have us do 100 meters jump roping. Like we're running and we had to run jump roping 100 meters. And that's how we <laughs> learned how to be fast. Literally. And his son was super fast too, man. Shout out to Corey as well, man. Like his son won the state running a 10-4. Um, but like literally he 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 took a group of, of, of black athletes who were in a similar uh area mm. and some of us went to Booker, some of us to rent to Riverview. Mike kind of bounced all over the place, was like good. Riverview Booker and Sarasota kind of tapped in all of them. But that was the other one. And then the last one, going back to the nicest thing well I would say the best thing was coach Anderson like to this day like I try like at least once a year to send him a card letting him know like I will not like I can say this on record I would not be where I am without this man um and he's the reason why I went to Duke in regards to like my choices uh and you know it's one of those things where even when I got to Duke you know I, I, you know, I had the opportunity to reinvent myself. He always told me, like, Charles, like, when you get there, um, you can become anything you want to be because nobody mm. knows who you are. Mm. Um, and that's where I was getting given opportunities uh, to do a lot of different things. And the other person, too, that was was also, com- like, a lot of guys come out from Coach A. It was John Haskins mm. um, and his wife. They they uh, set me up with so much. So 
that's that's who it is, man. Coach A, man, he's the goat. He's he. Yeah. There's a lot of people that has come out of his tutelage that has changed the lives of so many. His name is Jim Anderson. Yeah. Uh, for everybody, even Mike, my cousin Amari, like there are a lot of people who will, who will uh, validate what I'm saying in that in that vein. Five, five, five. All right, appreciate it, man. We're gonna move yeah, over. Man. That was good. We're gonna move over to the next set of questions and stuff like that. Um, so I'm gonna kick it off. I'm gonna kick it off here right now with this one. So you know, listening to you talk. It's evident that, you know, you're coming from Florida. So anybody who knows anything about college football knows every college football team has at least 20 kids, like, from Florida, right? Like, I'd be willing to argue, like, a quarter of every (laughs) D1 Power 5 program has Florida talent. So with that being said, I already know there's just an assumption, expectation that, okay, I'm going to the L right right after I'm done playing college ball. You're in the ACC when the ACC is like the biggest conference. This is like peak Miami. Like you said, they had the they had, uh, Hester, Winslow, right? Velma, like the Monstars, right? Like the whole, the whole team is like first, second rounders. You're playing at Duke. You're seeing these guys, all the other different teams, Tech and all this type of stuff. Talk me through your last game at Duke. And where your mind was as far as like league and everything else, because you had you're you know you're clearly brilliant and intelligent. But talk to me about like where your mind was on that last game and what you were thinking. Well, shoot, man, keeping it funky with you, bro. My body was beat up, so after my last <laughs> game, I was like, bro, I am done. I I like you know what I mean. And 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 like context, so it's like I had I had torn ligaments in my hand, my foot. I had surgery on my knee. Like, I tell people all the time, it's like, you know, everybody has a body clock. I don't care how talented you are. You know, you think about Ray Lewis, who tears his bicep at, at year 20 in the NFL, and then it just goes downhill from there. Then you got the Greg Odens of the world, and you got some high school players who just never get a chance to, to see college. Like, everybody has, I think about Derrick Rose, who came in, was like, rookie of the year and now he had a bunch of these injuries and he's kind of like not the same so that was that was me you know uh coming into college and then also you know I wasn't one of those guys who was like the Mike Fords of the world right who was just blessed like to just run a 4-3 just because um I worked hard and I could run like a 4-4-7 and things like that and I was like built and stuff like that but I had to work my butt off to get there so at the end of the at the end of the game, we were playing UNC. Uh, we lost in overtime. Um, there's a there's a picture of me. Grab, I forget his name. Is I think his last name was Hill, number eight. I, re, I already knew the play. It was a draw. Yeah. Um, and shout out to my boy Glenn Williams. This this is picture where I hit him. I hit number uh, number eight. I can't remember his last name. I think it was Hill. And I was about trying to bring on, and Glenn came and hit me uh, to on the side, and then he kind of went took it to the hut and at the end of it you know it was it was a bittersweet moment um where i was like you know after the game we were at unc i was looking around you know taking it in took a deep breath let it out and i was like it's that thing i was like i i I felt that peace you know what i mean I, i didn't i didn't feel the thing, and of course, like my uncle was like, "All right, man, I right, getting ready for the league, man. Let's mm-hmm. let's go ahead." And I was like, "You know what, up? Nah, man, I don't think I'm gonna do that. You know what I'm saying?" Right. And uh, you know, I'm a big I'm a big believer in like, you know, things happen for a reason, and you know, I was building relationships with folks that weren't athletes at Duke, right. and I started to see, and then also like I was telling you before with like John Haskins and his wife uh, Alyssa she opened me up to a world in investment banking. She was, um, she worked at Goldman Sachs. Right. And she talked, talked to me about the wall street journal and, you know, blue chip stocks and all of this stuff. And I didn't even know about any of this stuff. I was going to like, uh, what do these call it? Uh, these info sessions for Goldman Sachs, JP right, Morgan. Right. And that's where for me, I've realized like, yo, like I have an opportunity to make just as much as some of these athletes and never do another tackle. So 
right. when I walked away, man, it was just like, all right, you know, I'm I'm good. And by that point, I fully I fully reinvented myself to have optionality for my coach. But y'all, hold, hold on, hold on. Was it was yeah. it that easy? Was it, the way you're making it sound is like there's the last game. You know, you're friendly fire. You lose the game against UNC. You look around the stadium. Was it, and then 24 hours later, you were like, "Cool." Is that is that is that how it went? Nah, like I see what you're saying. Like okay. in that moment, I had accepted in my and like accepted like I wasn't going to go for it, and I was like, I was cool wow. with that. But you also got to remember too, and be keeping it funky. Yeah, we're getting our ass whooped at Duke. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Coach Cut came and, and turned turned it around, man. But you know, after a while, you you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Imagine, okay, let's put this in perspective for the folks that are going to be looking at this, right? Imagine you working, you're in the ACC, so you playing Calvin Johnson, you playing like the Hall of Famers of like a lot of these players that we see that we use in Madden and all this other stuff, right? And you're working just as hard as them. You're doing two-a-days. You're doing hell week in the winter. You're waking up at 6 a.m., getting, like, thrashed in the gym. I mean, in the, in the weight room. And you go out and you lose. And after a while, it's like it starts to feed on you. And it's not like um, – because I never was, like, a complacent guy, but it was, like, one of those things where it just starts to – it, it, yeah, it just mentally starts to fatigue your mind. It's like, man. <laughs> all right. And then the last straw was like, we lose in overtime against UNC. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's like, because my boy hits me on the side. It was like, come on, man. Like, like you know, I was just so, you know, I was just like, all right, I'm over this, bro. <laughs> so that's it's the weird. reason, like, if, if we pull it in in full context, that's the reason why I was kind of like, it wasn't like this, like, notebook dramatic thing. It was really just, like, I was pissed off. And I was like, you know what? You know how you so mad? you just like. Right. you just like. Ah, all right. <sighs> okay. There's nothing I can do all with right. this. Right. Yeah, there's nothing I'm going to do with this anymore. I'm done. Right. <laughs> so prior to Duke, was I banking ever on your mind? Like, what was. <laughs> I had gold teeth in my mouth and long hair. <laughs> I was a Floridian boy through and through, man. Like, ain't no way. Like, I think I told my mom one time. I was like, Ma, uh, I got an uh, internship with Goldman Sachs. She said, like, oh, that's what's up, baby. Like, who's Goldman Sachs? <laughs> like, she was just, like, legitimately, like, asking me. Like, right. okay, like, this is dope. Like, tell me more. Right. So it wasn't even in my, I, like, I don't even know, even to this day, some of my friends who are my age don't even know, like, investment banking really right. does or uh, Goldman or J.P. Morgan. They probably heard of them, like, banks like Bank of America or Wells Fargo. Right. But there's a retail side. There's an investment yeah. banking side. There's M&A. There's uh, uh, trading. There's so much that I just wasn't exposed to. So, no, I, I had no... Cool. And again, like I lucked up again, having someone like a John Haskins and Alyssa, you know, to open that door up to me. Because even though I was reading this stuff, I still didn't understand what they were talking about. It, so it's it's one thing to that. You bring up something interesting. It's one thing to be exposed to something. It's another thing entirely to kind of dig into it. Right. And like allow yourself sure. to immerse yourself in this environment. So you go to Duke. Clearly brilliant to get get in the Duke, right? Talk to me about, you know, put yourself in the mindset of someone who's just going to college right now. You mentioned that you were taking advantage of connecting with other people who weren't necessarily playing ball. Talk to me about your mindset and what would you tell someone who's younger going to college where they might not know everybody, might not know everything, but, you know, just getting acclimated. Talk to me about how you would want them to socialize. Man, that's a great question, bro. Uh, amazing question. So there's a couple of ways I could go about it. One is be the person who you eventually want to become. Don't pretend to be. Mm. Actually be that person. It's a, just a, it's, a, it's a decision. Then when you be that, when you, you, when you are that person, 
who you want to become, you're doing a set of actions that will eventually get you there. Right. Whether it's learning a skill, whether it's being around people who typically are around these people when they are, like I, I, I made it seem like, man, I'm gonna be a multimillionaire. I right. knew that that's something of mine, yeah, whether I played football or not. Like, and then I just started being around my friends. You know, his dad was the president of GM. Another friend was an uh, was a uh, was not a uh, ambassador. Uh, what do they call him? I guess an ambassador. Yeah, like an ambassador. He, yeah, but but it's like from like a different country. It's like had another friend whose dad was the like a general for the Israeli army, and wow. he would always like do trading like while we in school. Um, these were my friends these, that these like people didn't play football. None of them played football, <laughs> right. not once. But I was like, like they got benefit of it because like, oh, it's the athlete. Now we got the girls there. And stuff like that. And then I'm I'm sitting there, I'm like, yo, like, like, what does that mean when people say trust fund, baby? And then they'll say it and I still don't understand what it means. And I'm like, all right, cool. I just keep it in the back of my head. Right. And then we're just doing things. And then my other buddy, a uh, shout out to my boy Edon. This dude, we'll be in class and he'd be trading while we're in class. Like he'd be talking to people, like, hey man, like you like I'll place this trade. You want to do five hundred? Like boom, boom, boom. So me and my other boy, uh Aaron Glover, he was an athlete. We were always joke, like, all right, man, drop me in, you know what I'm saying, for a quick thousand. We know we were just being funny. But I'm looking at his stuff. You know, he was doing on uh, Ameritrade, which is like Think or Swim now. Uh, yeah, Think or Swim is the platform now. But he was doing this stuff, and I'm just seeing all these different things and candlesticks and right. all this other stuff. And he's just making these trades while we're in class. And again, just and he's still one of my boys to this day. So anyways, I say all that to say the kind of, that's the first part I want to get people to understand. It's like where you are, you're surrounded of, around a network of people who have family members, not just the, the, the kids, but who have family members who are doing things to set their children up to where you want to set your children up. So, you know, mm. part A is bec- all, you know, be the person you want to become. Don't feel like you got to pretend, just make the decision. And even if it's the NFL, like, all right, I'm an NFL player. Like I can't be out here, you know, and it's harder because of Instagram, because you think like there's a lot of cap that's going on. So you get confused. So it's, so it's a little difficult. Right. But it's like, I say to them, like, look at what's in front of you and what's real and what you can see. Uh, Believe nothing, what you can hear and only half of what you can touch. Right. And that, that's the thing that I think if, if you go into it, you know, Start to ask questions. Be around the people that you perceive have things going on. And then just peep the game. And then eventually, it'll start to, like a language. Like, a baby doesn't know how to speak a specific language. They were just immersed in that area. And then they eventually start to right. learn the language. Right. And things become more simple. So yeah, once I did that... Absorb it, right? It's you know, yeah. the compounding effect of your immediate environment. right? So if I'm around yeah. all of this, then I'm naturally... And then don't be afraid to say what you want. So for me, you know, the only reason why I jumped into to banging, like my mom, I, I got engaged, uh, you know, uh, going into my fifth year. And uh, my mom was like, baby, aren't you going to, you know, look for a job? Uh, and I was like, you know what, you're right. And instead of like my natural inclination, like, oh, go home, grab a few things that my partners do. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just asking my friends what jobs did they get? He's like, oh man, I got this amount of money from Goldman. I got this amount of money from JP. And I have never heard six figure anything. That's the stuff that we heard growing up on movies. No cap. Right, They'll right. be like, oh man, I got a six. Yeah, six figure. That was I'm huge. That was huge. So I literally, I'm like, oh, you got a hundred and something thousand dollars? Let me see your resume. Right. And I looked at his resume. And I saw the things that he was talking about. He did. I'm like, man, I'm an athlete. I'm working 16 hour days and still got to do work. So I just took like those different blocks and just applied my skill set to those things. And then eventually I had something that was comparable, but it took the framework. So again, going back to your original question with the athletes, I would say, man, like be a businessman and also be a great player. Like you can do both and. Because now with the NIL, you are a business. Right. And now you have to surround yourself around people that have the business acumen. And if you are in the Power Five school, leverage the fact that you have the social capital. Like, 
Be intentional about the people that you let around you. Start to have those folks right. around you. And don't get caught up in this, 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 this facade like, oh, man, you switching up, you Hollywood. The reality is the same friends that are talking that way, you're going to end up helping them long term anyways. Right. So you got to see the vision beyond that and got to put yourself in position. To win. I love it. I love it. Talk to me about the fact that, you know, you're diving into the deep end, right? Like when people hear anything like quantitatively oriented, they think, oh, man, you have to be a whiz kid. And obviously you've got that that base level of like intelligence. No one's debating ever like Charles Robinson's a brilliant brother. But talk to me about you not having that background. You join in the iBanking world. You don't know poop from sugar, right? Talk to me about what about your football experience helped prepare you for iBanking because that's that's like a whole that's a whole nother world, a whole nother monster. You know, that <laughs> talk to me about it. Yeah. Bro, so one, the the thing that as an athlete, no matter whether you tired, whether you pissed off, whether you went drinking the other night, whether you were out, you know, with your friends. You show up at six o'clock in the morning. I mean, you <laughs> doing what you're doing <laughs> until six o'clock at night on an easy day. <laughs> and that's in the real world. That's easy in the real world. Like we were doing from six to like nine. You know what I'm saying? Cause we had we had a study hall. So right. it was like nine, ten o'clock. So it's like the, the first part is you stepping into the real world knowing that you got an advantage that ain't like this is easy. Like just showing up is easy. It's light work. That's one. Two, I'm gonna keep it funky. It's it's uh it's difficult to learn the language. And you're going to be overwhelmed. And you're going to be the lowest on the toting pole in regards to your ability to solve problems. Mm -hmm. But it goes back to what I said before. Don't be afraid to ask what you want. If you mm -hmm. want to be an expert in this space. So this this is literally verbatim what I said to everybody when I started off. I said, man, just speak English to me, bro. <laughs> my MD, my MD, I said the same thing. I'm like, hey, man, you my guy. Just speak English. What does it say in English? Right. And he'll laugh. And it became like my like a joke thing. Right. That I was like, oh, man, Charles got the balls to talk this way and da 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 And I'm like, nah, I was legit legitimately saying, like, what does this mean in English? <laughs> Literally, and and I've taken that. I've taken that even in an investment world that I do now. Mm -hmm. Like when I have a technical founder, and he starts like, for example, I was at a dinner last night. One of my boys, shout out my boy JK, you know, the Coinbase. He was talking about like uh, something off the block, and I like, bro, like <laughs> speak English to me, bro. Like what it says, like you've been a five year old. He broke it down to me at different points how you can make money, like almost yeah. like uh, you know trading on the market. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. So I say, I say, you're not going to have those skill sets. You're not going to be able to come in and on that. But the phrase you should use is, hey, bro, I understand, but speak English to me. Because the reality is most people are going to try and lie and act as if they know. Mm. And they won't get as far. And nobody really knows anything. When it, when it, And I'm on the other side of the curtain, I promise you. Everybody is guessing and trying to figure it out. They're just right. really educated guests based off of pre, uh, previous experiences, right. but they're guesses. And if it's wrong, they know enough because of their experience how to pivot without being on the long pivot curve. Right. They can pivot to a point where they're like, oh, well, I'm going to pivot here, and then they can keep moving forward versus like, all right, should I pivot here, pivot here? Right. But that's where you learn because your ability to show up right. and work through it, your advantage but if you add this one piece of getting people to speak English to you and break it down to the simple and not worry about your ego, right. you're going to be so much better than most people. Even when you're in college, transitioning out. Talk, I love that. But talk to me about some people, it might be difficult for them to take that next step, right? So already saying, all right, I'm going to go into iBank. And that's one thing, right? And you know, so often in football, coaches like, this is the technique. This is what we're trying to do. I've taught you this. There's a point where it's like you have to figure it out. And a lot of times we just self-correct and figure it out on, a, on our own, right? Yep. Talk to me about ways in which you've seen people build that sort of confidence. Because it's, it's odd to say, because if you're a collegiate athlete, you're intrinsically like confident because you can't do anything without being. Yeah. But talk to me about how you built up the nerve to be able to say in those in those new arenas, 
hey, speak English to me. Because some people might have a perspective like, well, I don't want to go out there and I don't want people thinking I'm simple. I mean, you talked about it a little bit, but just talk to me about some of the things you did, if anything, to, to build it up. Man, I love how this all ties together, man. You remember what I said before, be the person you want to become? Right. I already know because of my friends whose dads were the presidents of the GMs, they didn't know it. And they told the people that, but but because right. they were the boss, they told the people that they hired that's smarter than them. Because mm-hmm. I remember one of my friends' dads like, hey, man, always remember to try and hire people that's smarter than you. Mm. And I was like, okay, cool. So I know if someone's smarter than me, I still can be a leader. Right. But again, it goes back to what I said before. Be, and I mean it, not pretend. Actually be the person you want to become. So when I ask these questions, speak English to me. I'm talking as if I'm the boss of the MD. Talk about it. Now, I'm not saying like, like you gotta, you still understand like hierarchy being an athlete. Yeah, it's almost like a soldier. Guys, yeah. Yeah. You, you still gotta work yeah. and still gotta do things. So you gotta read the room. You can't just be coming with this bravado and being like delusional, like, oh, There's I an run EQ this element spot, like, attached to this as well. Right? Yeah. You gotta like, have that type of It's not limited element. to just jumping out here like, yo, I'm here. Yeah. Tired. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, Person you want to become so whatever that is so for me i knew i did not know where i wanted to go i was all over the place right but i knew what i wanted to be i yeah. wanted to be someone who had financial freedom i wanted to be somebody that led um a lot of people i right. like I'm, this what we're doing right now is a manifestation of who i have become and i'm still and being who i ultimately want to be i want to be a billionaire but right. The reality is that is so difficult and there's so much amount of risks and there's so much things that I'm learning now on my journey where people talking about betting on yourself, Mm -hmm. literally like what that means, like being able to take the risks and how much money you got to put in uh, to try and raise funds and all this stuff so you can play this game. And if you don't have enough funds, like being honest with yourself, going the, the same thing that I'm telling people on this that's looking at this now, I'm going through it like like lather, rinse, repeat. So right. I, there's a lot I don't know. Like I don't know how to raise a fund when when you're spending more money than you're getting in. Right. But if I'm humble enough to say, you know what, I know billionaires who do this right now, all day, every day, like, legitimately, with a smile day, on their day. face. Yeah, and they got the bravado to say, all right, this is what I need. Right. I love it. And that's and, how and, I move in the same way. And that's and that's amazing. That brings me to my, to my next point. You're in iBanking, you're crushing it, you're doing well, and then you decide to leave, right? Like a lot of people say, man, look, it, you know, not too many things bigger than, than J.P. Morgan, right? The Goldman Sachs, right? Like we, talk, we started to talk about those upper echelon iBanking jobs. You, not knowing poop from sugar, once again, sign up, compete, perform, excel, and then decide you want to leave. What would kind of went into that thought process, right? And like, why would you leave somewhere where you already had such a great reputation and you were doing so well? Cheers, man. So uh, one, I was in during the during the crash, so two thousand eight. Everybody was right. getting in the M and A during that time. Uh, one of the things that I absolutely couldn't stand was getting yelled at every single day for something that I did not do. <laughs> so uh, you know, fidelity. So Fidelity, uh, the Johnson family were getting these ridiculous service level agreements. Uh, and if we didn't hit a certain target, they would lose money on the agreement that they set up. And then we would get yelled at for not getting things across the finish line, but it was almost like these impossible tasks. So for me, I was like, man, I, like in football, you get yelled at all the time. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, but it's different. Like, I'm a bunch of, I'm around a bunch of civilians. I'm like, man... <laughs> You 5'10", 150, it's only so much MFs I'm going to get in this space before I'm going I'm to turn up. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, like, I already started, I already started to associate, like, all right, this might not be the spot for me, man, because it's like, you know, if, if, if I'm going to I'm get talked to like this, man, like, hey, I got, you know, got to be some type of transaction. I need more ownership. I need, yeah, I, I need something. Yeah, I didn't I need, even think about ownership at the time. I was just thinking like self preservation. Like I ain't trying to fight. Like because because still you got to remain humble. But it's right. like, like 
Like you can you can respond back to yeah. like, man, I'm trying, man. Like, blah, blah, blah. like you can respond and the coach like, hey, go take your ass around the thing. You gotta go run a lap or something like that. You can't do that in a professional set. No, you know what I mean. You get you know, and you being black, six two, and at the time because when I first graduated, I hadn't lost all this weight. I was still like two thirty five. Oh wow! So I'm like, you know, and you're in so office. Still, you're in office with this. Exactly. Exactly. So, so, so the, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to code switch to kind of like make sure, and I've learned to kind of be myself now because, you know, I'm just who I am. Right. But at the time, I was still trying to figure myself out. So, those are the things that I was coming up with those incongruencies. Um, and it was just difficult. And, you know, one of my buddies had already left, and I asked him, what did he have? Like I said, it's always been my friends and asking questions. And I was when he left, I text. I'm like, "Yo, man, like, where'd you leave and what'd you have like in store?" He's like, "Man, I ain't have nothing. Like, I just uh, saved up faith." And and he's, like, "I'm gonna figure out, you know, what I want to do." And at the time, like, you know, making six figures, like, I was stacking my chips, you know. And it was just me and my 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 wife, and we didn't have any kids, so um, yeah. So I just was like, "All right, I'm gonna do that too." Like at mm-hmm. the worst case scenario, I can always get a job. Right. Um, and I was extremely frugal and just bounced around a bunch of stuff. I did development at Duke. I did uh, work at this company, V Strader Tech Company. That was my first iteration of like the tech entrepreneurial world. Right. Uh, got fired from that job a year later because I didn't know anything about <laughs> tech at all. That's a whole nother story. I mean, you can go into it if you got time, but like. Like I failed, and then I had a mentor, Jess Lipson, who really put me on the entrepreneurship. Because growing up, I thought entrepreneurship, what I saw was uh, Mr. Michael White. You know, he would sell cookies and candy apples. But at the time, I didn't know that he owned his own business and was taking care of his family. He was a, like literally what I considered like the epitome of what an entrepreneur was. And I just didn't know. So I was like, nah, man, I'm not trying to like sell like cookies and candy apples when they talk about entrepreneurship. And just like, nah, man, like me and my wife, we just built websites and we just use Dreamweaver and all this stuff. And literally he showed me back in and stuff. You just copy and paste before there was Wix and all this other stuff. You could just grab the source code yeah, just by uh, right clicking it, copy and paste it. And you that. can get the web page. I got everything you yeah. need. And, yeah, so once I learned that, I was like, okay, I can get $900 a website. So I started doing that. Right. And then while I was doing that, going back to relationships, my boy Zach hit me up about Teamworks, and then the rest is kind of my, my story. So that's kind of how it all, like, played out. I but love it. It's, it's all the different nuances of, you know, trusting my gut and then not being afraid, just trying stuff, because I'm young. Right. So... If, if there is any time to risk everything is when you're young because right. I didn't have anything to lose, but it was I was ignorant to it. Like, I didn't know I was going to lose everything. In my mind, I was yeah. like, Ignorance I'm spending $14. When I tell you I was afraid of losing everything, I was spending $14 on utility bills. I was eating peanut butter jelly sandwiches, making that much money, literally. My wife hated it. She was just <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? Um... So my brothers would stay with me, and I told him, like, it was in the summer. I said, no AC. My brother literally had to take a cold shower and put the fan on so he would not be uh, hot. Like, that's how, wow. I was, that's how I was moving, man. So I was always wow. extremely frugal. Like, even to this day, I only wear black. Right. I wear the same thing over and over. So I keep a lot of those principles that right. I had back then to now. But, yeah, that's how I made it work from to answer your question of, of me being able to leave. Um, without uh, overthinking it. I love it. I love it. Talk about talk about a little bit right now about where you are right now. Eighteen Eighty Adventures. I want people to understand what it is you're doing and and how dope it is. So give us a little backdrop. Yeah, no worries. For sure, man. So Eighteen Eighty Eight Adventures. Uh, we invest in emerging technology um, in the geographic areas of the Southeast, Midwest, and the Mid Atlantic. How we define emerging uh, technology is AI. Prop tech, sports tech, fintech, cybersecurity, and industry 4.0. And we're early stage. So pre seed, seed, and series A, uh, predominantly focused on the pre seed and seed stages. Um, not sure of like the audience 
uh, that's listening to this, what that means in a nutshell is that we give money to companies with really cool ideas right. before you raised over $10 million. And 10 million is a lot for a reason. Um, so anything below that, uh, we invest in, in, in those type of companies in those areas. Right. And if you live in those areas, uh, we want to invest. So right now we're currently raising a fund. Uh, right now I can't disclose publicly just yet until we, you know, how that goes, um, the amount until we get, uh, some legal documents done, but, uh, we're currently looking for a lead to make that happen. And then, um, yeah, man, it's that that's where the grind comes in. I love it. So love yeah, that's what we're doing. I love it. I love hearing about the journey. There's one and there's one thing I do want you to touch on is you spoke earlier about, you know, being yourself. And, you know, one of the things I recognize throughout the course of, you know, our conversation as you talk about from high school, college, college to iBank and iBanking to the entrepreneurial route up until, you know, you 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 running your own fund is how your concept of self has evolved, right? And like people always say, like the self is a moving target. I believe that. Can you talk about your awareness around seeing yourself change and also knowing when and how to change? Because I think those are those are things that people, especially you coming out of ball, you have an identity around one thing. As you're evolving, you transform into something something else. And what's interesting about your story is you didn't, I know people are yelling at you, but a lot of people just, I'm staying with the banking thing. You continue to, you know, find different, find different avenues to express yourself and, and, and fulfill yourself. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, the, the evolving self and just kind of how, how that, how that speaks to you. It's probably one of my favorite questions because I'm a philosopher at heart, bro. So uh, I love it. Oh. I love it. So, and then when you, when you come in town, we're going to do more of these type of conversations too. Sincerely. Uh so, man, that's that's a heavy one. I'll share like really personal something. I'll share something really personal. So, yeah. like, I've always been uh, a strong. Uh, I've been guided strongly in my spiritual walk, and a lot of times, I've, I feel when I and I'm using that word intentionally feel like. I should be doing something else. Mm. And I trust my gut more than my brain and logic. Mm. Um, so a lot of the things that you talked about where people do stay in banking because it makes sense, because it does make sense, it's logic. I just be I just have a strong feeling in my gut that nah, this ain't for me. And you know, I've always had this uh Growing up, I've always been like the underdog. I never was the cool kid. I used to be like the kid with the big glasses, bullied all the time. I kind of like can hide behind it because it's like, you know, I'm doing well, fit more, you know, saying all that stuff. But I'm still that kid who doesn't care what people think now because I've never, never felt like people care what I think either. So I was just like, I'm gonna just do what I feel best. So at at every moment, you know, from you know reinventing myself it reinvented myself from high school to college reinvented myself coming out of college going into banking reinvented myself from banking to uh entrepreneurship you know i followed my gut i read a lot of books i asked a lot of people questions and i really believe deep down the reason why i've been able to change myself is because of people um even our relationship that we have now like I'm, I'm, I've been changed just in this little bit of interactions that we've had and, and just being more stronger in my identity, uh, as a businessman, right. you know what I mean? Because, you know, we're not going to go into technical stuff, but there are times where you and I are in it. We were in that meeting and we were saying something going back and forth about mm-hmm. what we're looking for. And you and I were on the same wave and got real technical real quick. Right. <laughs> and, uh, I know like 90% of the room won't understand what we're talking about. Um, but we're doing it in a way that was very congruent to us, if you know what right. I'm saying. And those moments I don't take for granted and I, and I, and I lean into them and I trust my gut, um, when I lean into them. And when I do lean into them, I, I begin to take action towards those things and build accordingly, make adjustments. And that's where it comes. And it doesn't go without being hurt and things like that. You know, I lost 
my mom in 2017 that also was another piece uh of where that transition happened where you got to learn how to understand your perception of the world and how to understand like life is short there's no time for you to try and make other people feel comfortable about your own decisions um so yeah man that's that's there's a lot more but you know that question is so heavy and deep for me it's like a, it's like the root of the tree where it's just so many ways that that can go but to kind of like pull it back in the context of to the original question it really boils down to trusting my gut and then building with people and listening and paying attention i love it. i love it. i love it. well all right brother this has been outstanding man i've been having a great my time man i love it um before we hop off here how can we find you what can we what can we do we've got your, your linkedin yes what's the best way for people to reach out to you uh, the best way people reach out to me is, is two places. Uh, right now, I'm trying to push my, my Instagram by mm-hmm. like getting people to follow me at Charles Robinson. Um, t- uh, Twitter, which is now X, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, I've been pushing out literally like the technical journey of what's been going on. So like right now on my Instagram, I'm going through this fit piece like I'm not, I'm a person like do as I do. Don't have to do as I say, right. I'll show you better than I can tell you like your mama tell you. Right. Um, and then if it's just uh, on, on the business tip and you just want to send me a note, uh, LinkedIn, just uh, hit me up on LinkedIn, Charles Robinson and, you know, go from there. Love it. Anything, anything that we need to be on the lookout for any, anything is about to drop. I know, I know there's not a rap album, uh, coming up, but like anything, any, anything, that, anything that, uh, that we should be aware of any, any new events. No, I think this podcast, man, I think, I think be on the lookout for, you know, Something me and like Mike are doing more stuff in the, in the future, man. We, we, I already see it. So there, there's a lot more stuff that's going to be popping off. Sincere. Um, like sincerely for real for real so um i say you know follow our journey um obviously once you listen to this podcast but you know if you want if all of this stuff we talked about from an example standpoint the the folks that's listening literally peep what's happening right now right you Mm -hmm. see us we've connected over the you know past few days or week or so and we're already having these conversations Follow this story over time and you'll be able to see the blueprint. That's one thing I loved about Hove. Like he just did it. And then you could just follow the road map. And I, you know, I'm like, all right, peep the game. Right. So we may not be able to go on the podcast and give you technical skills, Mm -hmm. but be on the lookout for, you know, what I'm doing and then be on the lookout for what Mike is doing. And you'll see the blueprint on how we navigate based off of our actions, not through our words. Pause. We love it, man. (laughs) <laughs> Appreciate you, brother. This was amazing. I'll check in with you. Shout out to 1888. I'm going to see you in Atlanta. All right, big dog. Much All love. Right, Peace.